So great to be back at the helm here at St. Raphael for a weekend, as it's been a whole month in between the last time. As you may have heard, there was a recent pilgrimage to the Holy Land that included 36 people from Oshkosh, Manitowoc, Winnicani, Nina, and I was greatly blessed to be able to go, along with Deacon Paul Vidmar and Father Doug LeCaptain, who was previous pastor here at St. Raphael. And it was a joy to lead the spiritual aspects of the trip with them, especially getting to know Father Doug better and going on some adventures, running ideas past each other for leading prayer. Thank you for your prayers and know that I took your intentions with me in prayer. Now, it was my second time over in the Holy Land, but it was amazing to be back there as a priest. Enough people have been asking me to share some of my experiences, so since it is Priesthood Sunday, I figured I'd share a few impactful moments from the point of view of being a priest on such a pilgrimage. But first, one of our mottos during the pilgrimage, and people would repeat this over and over as a reminder, was this. We would say, we are pilgrims, not tourists. We are pilgrims, not tourists. It was a constant reminder when we were tempted to be tourists. You know, there were times where things weren't as expected. There were times of exhaustion and heat. There were times of hunger and thirst, times of temptation, whether it was to buy too many souvenirs or to take too many photos. Over and over, we had to remind ourselves, we are pilgrims, not tourists. First, about things that weren't as expected. I actually had a dream come true on the trip. There was a dream I had, literally, at night, on one of the nights we were, I think, in Galilee. And the dream was this. I was back here at St. Raphael. I was sitting over on this side of the church on a Saturday evening before the 5 o'clock Mass. Dreams don't make sense because I probably would have been in the confessional or actually during the dream I thought I had Mass in Winnicani. So none of this really makes sense. But there I was praying before Mass and the choir started to sing a prelude. And they finished the prelude to Mass and it was 5 o'clock and the lights were still dimmed and I was still sitting there praying and the church was full and nobody was telling me to start Mass. And eight, ten minutes went by, people started to leave because, you know, just like in school, if the teacher doesn't show up, then you leave, right? So people started to leave, and I started to realize, wait, I think I'm supposed to celebrate Mass. I was like, whoops. So I quickly got ready, you know, we started the opening song, and I came up, and I said, sorry, so there we were. That was the end of the dream. Now, in Jerusalem, I had lined up uh, to offer a Mass for the Missionaries of Charity. There are five sisters, that's Mother Teresa's order, five sisters there serving the poor in Jerusalem. And they told me 6.30 Mass would start, so I said, good, I'll be there at 6.15 to get ready. So I got there, this was a couple Mondays ago, and said hi to the sisters and went to the sacristy to get ready, and I figured, well, I have 10 more minutes, I'm going to sit and pray before Mass starts at 6.30. And through the door, I heard the sisters singing a song. 
And I thought, oh, great, they're singing a prelude. And they were singing the song, two verses, three verses, four verses, five verses. And I'm thinking, wow, they're really singing a long song. And then they started kind of puttering out. And there was just one sister left singing the first verse. And the mother, superior, the one in charge of the sisters, came into the sacristy and just kind of looked at me and smiled. And I asked, oh, sisters, mass starting? And she just kind of nodded. And so it got up and <laughs> started mass. So the dream kind of came true. There are also some times of exhaustion and heat. So when we go to the churches in the Holy Land, it's generally expected and often even enforced to dress modestly in these churches, which is a good thing, but for women it means longer skirts and dresses. For men it means pants. And wearing pants during 90 to 100 degree sunny weather each day was sometimes a little difficult, and black pants as a priest made it a little hotter. And then each day, the vestments over on top of that for Mass. Not a lot of AC over there. Now, the reason I bring this up is when I was a little boy, there was one really hot Sunday. I saw the priest vested and all that, and he was sweating profusely. And right then and there, as a little boy, I, I decided, well, God is not calling me to be a priest because I sweat too much. Um, yet, here I am. Thank God for AC. Um, but I hope over some of the years I've learned the value of offering up that kind of little suffering. But we have to remind ourselves, as the saying went, we are pilgrims, not tourists. On the more positive note, being able to offer Mass in these holy places was an, was an immense honor and joy, really. We had Mass in a little chapel right next to the Annunciation, where Gabriel appeared to Mary and she conceived Jesus. We had Mass on top of Mount Nebo, which is in Jordan. It's the place where Moses overlooked the Promised Land. We had Mass in Bethlehem, right next to where Jesus was born. And in Jerusalem, just 20 yards away from where Jesus rose from the dead. We even had Mass in a very quiet place on the shore of the Jordan River. These were all amazing experiences, experiences, but it, and it was hard to decide which one of those masses was the most powerful as a priest. My favorite holiday is Christmas, so when we were in Bethlehem, we actually got to celebrate Christmas mass, so that was awesome, and our little choir sang all the Christmas hymns, which is a lot of joy, and the very next day, we celebrated Easter mass in Jerusalem at the Church um, of the Holy Sepulchre, which encloses the tomb and the spot of crucifixion. And that was probably the peak of my excitement. Wow, Christmas, Easter in two days, this is amazing. But probably the best was the Mass in Capernaum. Capernaum's a little town where Jesus had his home base during the three years of public ministry. It's where Simon Peter lived. And the church there was built right on top of the ruins of Simon Peter's, St. Peter's house. And right behind the church, are the ruins of the synagogue where Jesus preached the bread of life discourse. Now that's the long sermon in John chapter 6 where Jesus says he is the bread of life and that we must eat his flesh and drink his blood to have eternal life. 
the same place where so many disciples left him because of his teaching on the Eucharist, and the same place where his close disciples reaffirmed their trust in him. So as Father Doug and I were celebrating Mass, I was concelebrating, and he held up the host, our Lord Jesus, after consecration, and I was standing on this side of the altar, looking past the host to the windows, and through the windows I could see that synagogue right there. And it all came together right there in that moment. In that moment, the Lord gave me the grace to really, not, to really know that he is there with me on pilgrimage. Not just on that trip, but on this pilgrimage we share together to heaven. What power that was. Yet at other points in our trip, it wasn't as clear. Since time was so short during some of our visits to holy sites, it was tempting to walk into a church to take pictures, look at the architecture, not recognizing that Jesus was right there present in the tabernacle. Sometimes when we had to go visit a church, there was even a mass going on. It was a very busy place with lots of people, sometimes easy not to pay attention to the Lord. But what can we learn from that? Not only that life is short and we need to pay attention to the Lord and God's presence, but when we come to church, we are called to attend church as pilgrims. Right? We purposely don't get too comfortable standing, sitting, kneeling, right? We purposefully let ourselves feel hungry with that hour fast before receiving communion. We purposefully disconnect ourselves from the world, putting away our phones. These little things to help us pray as pilgrims and not tourists. And here's the last thing to bring it back to the gospel today. Lazarus and the rich man is the parable Jesus gave. Lazarus is the example of the pilgrim. The rich man, the example of the tourist. Lazarus enduring those hardships with the end goal of eternal rest in mind. The rich man seeking comfort even during his time of torment. May the Lord help us be less like tourists in this life and more like Lazarus, like pilgrims.